Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Nick Daschle, you can read him on Oregon Live. He covers Oregon State. He's joining us here in just a moment. Stephen, like Oswego, can't believe something I said earlier in the show, and he has called in. Steve, what, what, what did I say? What, what nonsense did I spew? John, <laughs> that's why I love you. Um, about I don't know a month ago, when UCLA was coming up here to play Oregon, you said at that time Oregon was probably going to beat UCLA because you didn't think UCLA was a very good team. Now you're saying that Oregon's going to beat UCLA in the Pac-12 champions. John, whatever you're smoking, give me some, will you? It's like there ain't no way in the world that Oregon's going to beat UCLA, even without cards. And I, there's no way. It's not, it's not a chance. I mean, UCLA playing the number two in the country. They're 27-4. and four. Oregon's, what, 18-13 and 13 or something? True. Like yes. They barely beat Stanford. On, mm-hmm. and, and then they lost to Washington. Come on, John. This is why I like Oregon. This is why I love this tournament, too. Look, call back later in the week after they've played this game because I do think Oregon will play on Friday night. I guess it will be next week that we're talking, 6 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks in uh, what will be a semifinal game, Oregon against UCLA. That's how I think it's going to shake out. But I like the Ducks here. They're playing for a whole bunch. I think, you know, they may need that win to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. I think UCLA is – uh, you know, going to show up maybe not with the eye of the tiger in this tournament without Jalen Clark, their best defensive player. I may sense a letdown here, much in the same way that we saw a letdown by Stanford and Utah in the Pac-12 Women's Tournament. Stanford and Utah much in the same position as uh, UCLA and Arizona are in the men's bracket. Neither one of them made the championship game. That's why it's March, and we call it madness. Nick Daschle is in Vegas now. He's joining us. Am I crazy? for picking Oregon to beat UCLA in this bracket. No, I've been saying that. I've been saying that for all season that people keep writing off the Ducks and I'm they they you can't write them off. They they've got too much talent and I I know they're inconsistent and all that, but when they're playing well, I mean, I don't know they're UCLA good. Yeah. But they're they're one of the best three teams in the conference when they're when they're playing well and I mean, they've won their last three um Shoot, I, I, I mean, I kind of disagree with you a little bit on the on the letdown thing with Stanford, Utah. I just think that whole those top seven or eight teams in the Pac-12 are all pretty good, and Stanford is just a hair, little hair off this year from being last year. So I, I don't know that Stanford was a little off. But I, UCLA could easily lose to Oregon on on. Um, Friday, if, if if that matchup takes place, especially if Jalen Clark isn't playing, um, I definitely could see that. And if they beat UCLA, I think they're in the tournament. Yeah, I, I don't think, think they I have think to win the Pac-12 tournament. No, I don't think they have to win it. But I feel like Oregon is now sitting with a first-round bye, which is everything you need that really benefits you. It doesn't benefit you so much on Thursday as much as it does on Friday or Saturday if you're playing on in this tournament, and. I, I, I just think Oregon is at a position where it's like, hey, you know, play your way into the tournament. Can you win? Can you beat 
the winner of Washington State, Cal, probably Washington State. And then can you beat UCLA? If so, you're probably in the NCAA tournament. That's a lot for Infali Dante and Will Richardson. That's a lot at stake for them. Uh, you've been there. Uh, I was there over uh, the late last week as well. There are all sorts of conference tournaments going on. Have you caught any of the WCC tournament, any of the Mountain West tournament? What's the flavor on the streets of Vegas? I covered the Pi- Portland Pilot men on <clears throat> Friday night. I just got done covering the Portland Pilot women um, just half hour ago. They they beat uh, Pacific, and they're in the WCC championship game against Gonzaga tomorrow at one o'clock. If they win, they're going to the, they're going to the dance. Michael Meek has done a great job at UP. What what has he done in your mind? You know, here's another great success story. A George Fox guy who goes to UP, but what's he getting at UP that that makes them winners? Well, he's certainly not afraid to recruit internationally. He's got, I think, I counted ten players from either Australia or New Zealand on the roster, and a lot of them can. They can. I mean, Alex Fowler is a good player. If you haven't seen her play yet, she's. I mean, she's legit. I mean, today she had 29 points, six boards four assists and five steals, and they needed every one of those those, those to, to beat Pacific. But, um, yeah, he just, you know, they, they, they play, you know, they, they can play full court. They don't, they don't have a, you know, a particular, you know, style that they, that they have to play. They can just do a lot of things and, and, you know, they're doing it without probably their Haley Andrews, probably their second best player behind, um, you know, Alex Fowler and, and, um, I mean, they're pretty motivated. I don't know if they could beat Gonzaga tomorrow. Gonzaga's pretty good. But they, they gave Gonzaga games the first two times they played. So, I mean, it's one game for everything. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't discount Portland's chances tomorrow. Yeah, I remember the last time they won the event, it, it got interrupted by a pandemic. They did not get to dance, so to speak, in the NCAA tournament. So here they are knocking on the door again. How do they match up with Gonzaga? This is not an unbeatable Gonzaga team. They they lost a game this season in the uh, in the in the conference play. But how how does this matchup go for you? You've you've seen them play a little bit. Well, they're twenty eight. I haven't seen Gonzaga play a lot, but I know they have. They they can shoot the three. They're twenty eight and three. They're going to get in the NCAs whether they win tomorrow or not. I think because they're in the top twenty five. And uh, you know they've got. They, they they just they've got some shooters and and you know if they get hot it's you know it's it's it, it, they're a hard team to beat but they're physical and um, they they just they they manhandled BYU today um, in, in the semifinal and went pretty easy and so I mean, there's only been a couple teams that have given given Gonzaga you know a game in in conference play this year but Portland was one of those two teams so uh, I mean they, Portland Portland this there's four players on this team that played on that, on that 2020 team, including Fowler. Um, they, you know, they remember they, 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 and they know what they need to do against Gonzaga. So again, they won't be the favorites by any stretch, but you know, one game and they're not that, and they're not outclassed. So they got a shot tomorrow. Yeah. As a side note in the WCC, the conference hired Stu Jackson as the new commissioner of the conference Really interesting hire. Got has some West Coast ties. Has some ties to the Big East and in basketball. And you know he, uh, you know he elevated the Big East into one of the best conferences in the country. It's a really interesting hire by the WCC. How do you like it? They announced him and introduced him today. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the interview. I just, I, I remember I, I walked around a little bit before the, before the women's game today, and I, I asked a couple of people, you know, why, why Stu Jackson? And the answer was basketball. I mean, and and with basketball, you know, all roads lead back to Gonzaga. So I assume there's some of that, you know, that maybe he's got some some magic that can keep Gonzaga interested and sticking around. I. I mean, I don't you think Gonzaga doesn't believe it? I, I just, no, I think I, that's yeah. my. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they sh- I don't think they should unless the money is just so overwhelming. But because I think if they go to the Big Twelve, welcome to being ten and eight in league. I mean, <laughs> that's a different that's a different animal playing in the Big Twelve versus the WCC. Yeah, uh, you, but you you've yeah. proven you can get to. The, the you know the, you can get to the final four through the WCC. So unless they're throwing a windfall at you that is a game changer financially, I think you sit tight if you're Gonzaga. And you know I think this is all about exploration and kicking the tires and and such. But I don't think that you uh, you disrupt your success like that would be insane. I mean maybe the money is just going is so much you just can't pass it up. But but if you go to the Big Twelve. You're just another team in that league. You're a national program right now. I don't know that you're a national program. You go to the Big 12 and start losing a bunch of games there. Right now, you know, you can you can schedule, you know, a bunch of, you know, really elite non-conference games knowing, you know, you're going to go 16-2 and two or 17-1 and one in the WCC and, you know, get in the, you know, get yourself a couple of buys in the, in the WCC tournament. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's boring. I don't know. But... It just seems like it works. Nick Daschle with us, uh, covers Oregon State. He's in Vegas. Um, the Oregon State men will have an opening round game uh, against uh, Arizona State on Wednesday. Uh, not a great matchup for them, but how, how is Oregon State playing? Can they, can they you know, get in this game and stay in this game against Arizona State? It's the nightcap, 8.30 on Wednesday night. You know, last Sunday, I, I kind of like their draw with Arizona State and then, you know, USC, if for some reason they were to win. Because those are two teams they actually played with uh, this year. Oregon State gave they, – they, they should have beaten Arizona State when they played in Corvallis. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like the way they played the last weekend of the, of the, of the season. And, I, you know, you kind of wonder if they're – you know, some of these younger guys are hitting a wall. I don't know. Maybe it was just a, a bad weekend. I don't know. They did play pretty well against Oregon, so – and that was two weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, I would if I'm if I'm Oregon State, I'd much rather play. I'd much rather play Arizona State than Washington State right now. Washington State's on fire, and and there's other teams that they just don't match up with in terms of size. So, I I think Arizona State's a team they they, they can play with. I don't know if they'll beat them, but they can play with those, that team. And if for some reason they were to get past. You know Arizona State, USC is a team they have definitely played with. They lost by one down 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 in LA, and they beat USC at home. So I mean that's a, that's a team you know they would like to play because they got some confidence against that team. Yeah, and Arizona State is interesting. I saw quite a bit of them up close. They are very balanced. They have uh, they have some nice moments, and then they have some lapses. And they're not a great shooting team. So you can get into an ugly game with them, but and they what Arizona State really lacks is they don't have a star. Like they don't have a guy that they can go to in a tough possession and say, "Hey, we need a bucket here 
take over. They don't have that player. They're just very balanced. They have about five or six players that all are very similar, and you know they, they're a threat to get four or five people in double figures on a good game. But I've seen them have some really bad shooting games, and Oregon State with nothing to lose, who knows in that game. I I'd still would pick Arizona State nine times out of ten to, to win that matchup. Uh, Nick Daschle with us. Uh, spring football for Oregon State starting tomorrow. Jonathan Smith talked today with some media about his quarterback room and you know what he's trying to work on this spring. What are you most interested in seeing in spring football from Oregon State? Well, the quarterback thing is obviously going to be on a lot of people's minds. It'll be interesting to see you know what DJ looks like in a, in a Beaver practice uniform and you know, the competition there. But I'm, I'm really interested in what happens at, at a couple of positions on defense because you know they lost two guys at quarterback to the NFL draft. Uh, that's going to be tough to replace, and they don't have any just obvious players that are going to jump right in. Now, they've been recruiting at a higher level each year since, you know, Jonathan's been around, so the, the talent pool is deeper. But there's not a you know guy that just, other than maybe Jaden Robinson, he's probably got one of the cornerbacks. But, but he hasn't proven himself at an Alex Austin or Rajon Wright level yet. And so I think this spring is going to be interesting to see who who they you know throw into those positions to see who who wins the, wins those jobs. And the other one is the inside linebacker. I mean, they lost you know they lost their two starting linebacker inside linebackers, Spates and 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 Mish, Fisher Morris, and then also Jack Coletto. So they've got a lot of opportunity there for younger guys to step in, and that's obviously a key position because Oregon State generally. You know they they funnel everything to their inside linebackers as far as tackles and, and um, you know so that that those two positions to me are are going to be pretty key to watch. Yeah, and I you know look I know everybody talks about you know expectations being a problem. Have you noticed any changes kind of with Jonathan Smith and his approach you know to the spring or is it the same old same old? Yeah, he kind of just keeps his head down. He you know he he. He's he's all about ball. He doesn't. He's not out there trying to get you know more, more publicity and everything. He, I mean, he's he just likes. I mean, I've talked to him twice now since the bowl game. He's he's hard to get a hold of because he's just interested, you know, in signing classes and looking at film and and, and whatnot. And it's it's. Um, I mean, I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens in spring. We'll see. You know. We'll see any changes. That's that's kind of the first real time you're you're hanging around the team, and when you can see whether you know things have changed a little. But I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, they all seem you know pretty pretty grounded. Pretty you know I don't I don't see anybody on the staff that's you know I, no I, I, I to me the, the the key thing is who takes over all those you know another thing is. Who takes over all those leadership roles? I mean, they lost so many guys as leaders. You know, Jaden Grant and Kipper and and the cornerbacks and Spates and you know even you know just a lot of guys that have been around the program. A lot of a lot of their, five of their six captains, and so they got to find new guys to you know lead and motivate and things like that. I mean, because the off season is really where is where you build this team, and you got to have players that you know get guys out of bed and get out there and run and lift and all that stuff and you know, that's where they're going to find out you know who you know how, how much they really wanted after winning 10 games you know can this 
can they come back and do it again? You know, we don't know that. Yeah, and I think, you know, people have talked about Jonathan Smith and asked, you know, would anybody be able to hire him away? I always come back to he fits Oregon State like he fits nowhere else. Still, though, we've seen coaches jump. What's your feeling on him as the forever guy in Corvallis? I mean, I wouldn't say he's forever, but I I, I think if there's a next stop for him, it's probably the NFL, but that's a ways off to me, I think. I I, I think he's here for a – you know, his son is going to be – he's a freshman in high school. He's got two two younger – kids i mean corvallis is you know they talk about what a great town it is to raise kids i mean i could see him being around at least until his kids are pretty much through high school so i mean what eight ten years of that maybe um but you know who knows i mean with college guys you you don't ever know for sure but he doesn't seem like a guy that you know is looking for do you think he'd make a good nfl coach I don't know, and I don't know whether, you know, whether, I don't know what, what I'm saying in NFL, I don't know whether I'm saying offensive coordinator or, you know, a head coach, yeah. I don't know. Right. Um, but, I mean, shoot, Oregon State's going to be paying him $5 million this next, you know, his, his new contract has got him at around $5 million. Man, how much more does the guy need? I, I don't know. And I don't see him chasing headlines. You know, I don't see him, you know, wanting – you know, wanting to be an SEC guy or or some a Big Ten, I don't. He doesn't strike me as that. But again, I mean, we you know we don't know for sure. But that's my gut feeling is that you know if he was ever to leave, it would be for some type of NFL opportunity. But but I I, I don't think he's going anywhere. As long as Oregon State takes care of him and you know they get give him the resources and you know Scott Barnes is. You know, he seems to be moving heaven and earth to make sure they got everything they need. And um, you know, as long as they got that, I, I don't think he's leaving anytime soon. Nick Daschle, I appreciate you. I will see you at uh, T-Mobile Arena or at a practice uh, coming soon. Thank you for joining us. All right, we'll see you. There he is, Nick Daschle. You can read him on Oregon Live. Covers Oregon State, joins us on this program, does a great job. With the Beavers, uh, I don't have a lot of hope that Wayne Tingle's team can get out of the opening round of the Pac-12 tournament on Wednesday. But uh, what I do think they need to do is get into the transfer portal. Uh, I had a complete breakdown of the Pac-12 tournament written by Andrew Martin that we published on johnconzano.com today. And one of the questions uh, Andrew raised was, hey, it's a little puzzling to look around this conference and see so many coaches like Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, he has six players that he got out of the portal that are contributing players. And to see Oregon State struggle in the portal. We'll see if Wayne Tinkle and his staff can get in there and do some damage and get the program moving in the right direction next season. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I want to talk about fatigue for just a second. No, I'm not talking about you're tired, you got up early. No, I'm not talking about, hey, you uh, you had a workout, 90-minute workout in the gym. 
you're cramping up. I want to talk about fatigue in sports when it comes to topics. It came up earlier in the show today. I have fatigue as it comes to you know, as it pertains to Tom Brady. I'm tired of hearing about the guy. I'm tired of hearing about his retirement, his unretirement, what boat he's on, what comedy club that he's endorsing, uh, what model is sending him uh, love on uh, Instagram. I I just I I don't have a lot of appetite for Tom Brady's post football life and the drama that comes with it. I want to know what topics you're fatigued with. 503-417-7575. And uh, or, you know, if you're somebody who says, hey, I can't get enough of the Tom Brady stuff because apparently there is an appetite for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be force fed all of this Tom Brady stuff. I want to hear from you as well. Stephen, Judah, fatigue when it comes to sports. What comes to mind Uh, for me? It's in the NBA world. It's always talking about the Lakers. Uh, That one always is fatiguing to me, not just because, you know, as a sort of Blazer fan, I don't like Lakers. I just they're not relevant. Like they're not very good. And I think they can highlight other things. Now I know there's a lot of dysfunction there, which can provide some audience, but I just, I'm over that. Uh, I'm also over, like you said, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both like where are they heading? Aaron Rodgers is under contract with the Packers. Like that's what it is. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen until it happens. It's all just a guess at this point. And so we try to just take every little thing. And what does the darkness retreat mean? What did he learn? It is just, there's there's no way we're going to know the answer until it actually happens. So those those are the couple of things that, uh, for me, just I'm kind of over those. Yeah, the Lakers, you know, and look, we see a lot of this from the national media. I do find myself, as I am watching Shannon Sharp and Skip talk or Stephen A. Smith talk, I roll my eyes because what I do find as an underlying theme in uh, a lot of those discussions is I find that they are pandering to large markets you know and we I've I've seen some of this look I filled in on Fox Sports FS1 for one summer they flew me uh, to LA to the Fox Studios they had me on the set and I was you know in the production meetings and they're definitely skewing the content of the shows towards L.A., Boston, New York, Chicago, Miami. I think there's um, I think there's a lot of motivation to pander to those markets. And I even saw it, you know, I filled in on the Jim Rome show on the station you're listening to, and prior to me making my appearance there, they reminded me, hey, uh, you know, the L.A. market is really important to us. And you know damn well if they're telling the guest host, hey, don't forget the L.A. market, you know, don't talk too much about Portland and Oregon and the Pac-12 and the Pacific Northwest because we're going to get calls from all our affiliates in Southern California who aren't happy. You know damn well if they're telling the guest host that, that the ho- the real host, the regular host of those shows is getting an earful about, hey, you need to remember the Lakers. You need to remember the Dodgers. Don't forget to talk about, you know, all the things that are important to Southern California and New York and Boston and Miami while you're uh, busy talking about what really matters in sports. And so that bias is real. And that fatigue that you have, Stephen, it is orchestrated by the networks who are saying, hey, those are large population bases. We need to talk more about it. Judah, what do you have fatigue with when it comes to sports stories? I filled in for you on Friday last week on the show, and uh, one of my takes was I'm kind of tired of – Median rights negotiations. Amen. And uh, 
Look, I... I love that, you know, you're on the forefront of breaking news. So is Wilner, and apparently so is Thamel, and apparently so is a million other people. But, like, yep. I'm tired of having to read between all the damn lines. And I'm kind of mad at George as a Pac-12 fan. Like, this is what happens when you let the thing take as long as it has. Is, you know, John, you have a job to do. You got to report what you get. You are as sourced up as it. You are more sourced than anybody else. That much is clear. And yet... I still know everybody's playing the game, and I just want the game to be over. That's yes. all I want, and I want to find out what the result was, and I just want it to be over. Yeah, I <laughs> I uh, I hit it. I hit the wall on about Thursday, Friday of last week, and I literally turned to Anna. I'm in Vegas. I'm covering basketball. I'm there for the tournaments, but I'm meeting with athletic directors, and I'm talking with university presidents on the phone for hours on Thursday and Friday. And what I came away with was that the remaining 10 members of the Pac-12 conference continue to feel galvanized, continue to feel like they're on the same page. I did find out that there are four expansion candidates that they've been approved to explore. And it doesn't mean they're going to add four. It just means they have that approval. And I left um, the conversation kind of looking around going, why is this taking so long? Well, you know, the, the prevailing theory from people involved, actually involved with the negotiation is, that Apple and Amazon, uh, this is new to them. And so conversations that should take an hour take a week. That's, that's the anecdote that I was given by somebody directly involved with those negotiations. And I do think they're going to merge with a deal that keeps everybody together. I don't think anybody's leaving for any other conference. I've, I've never wavered in that, and I have not talked to anyone who believes otherwise. I think the big problem is we know too much. I think the last time the media rights deal was negotiated for the Pac-12, which was a decade ago, we didn't know it was even going on until they announced it. And I think that there was bliss in that because it allowed us to focus on the stuff that matters, which was football, basketball, uh, the stories that are around them. And I'm a, I'm a little exhausted with it myself. And if I'm exhausted with it, I have to think that listeners and readers are exhausted with it. And it's why I've tried not to talk about it too much on today's show because I want to give people a break from it because I do think we're going to get, like, they have a meeting tomorrow, the Pac-12 CEO, CEO group, the presidents and chancellors meet tomorrow. And I got reporters in Dallas and in other markets calling me going, hey, are they meeting tomorrow? Because they think the expansion is going to get announced. Maybe. Maybe they'll get some expansion news this week. But I think media rights could take as much as 7 to 10 to 14 more days before they get it settled. And I don't want to spend that time. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.